this week, I guess you could say, is kind of a continuation of last week. Um, you know, we've talked about the sin was the veil that was placed in the garden. We talked about how that veil's torn away in Jesus Christ and His sacrifice. And last week we talked about the Spirit's work and the removing of that veil and how He comes to dwell within us and that He begins to, to, to minister to us that we would know Him. Um, this week I want to I look at that, but I want us to understand the intimacy that's involved with that. We just watched uh, this, this last week. If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians will be, thank you, Belinda. We'll get there in just a minute, but this weekend um, we watched 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We watched a movie called uh, Father of the Bride. Has anybody ever seen that movie before? I hate that movie. There's not too many movies that make me want to weep like a little baby, but that one makes me want to weep. I laugh, I cry, I laugh, I cry, I laugh, I cry. And I kind of, I kind of understood you know, what the dad went through in that movie because he realized when his daughter got married, things weren't going to be the same anymore. You know what I'm saying? It was going to be different. She was leaving the house, and some of you have probably experienced that in real life, and, and you just laugh at me because you know what's going to come up here in about 8 to 45 years. <laughs> I don't like that. I didn't like the honor star crowning, have my little girl in a little white dress and me in a suit taking her down the aisle. Didn't like that. But you know, when somebody gets married, there's that separation. That's the leaving of the old life and, and grabbing a hold of the new. A leaving and a cleaving. Amen? And in a sense, that's what the Spirit of God does for us. When we come to know Him and we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God comes to live within us. And we talked about that last week. He dwells within us. Amen? He, he comes and lives within us. He, he breaks out of that veil, that expectation of, of this. It's got to be over here. He's there and I'm here. And there's a joining. The two become one. God's Spirit united with my spirit at salvation. The moment that I bowed and, and I, I reverently... Well, I wasn't very reverent. I was weeping and crying like a baby because I recognized how pitiful and pathetic I was. And I, I cried out to God, at that moment, church, at that moment, He came into my life, he joined Himself together with me and began to minister to me. And I realize He's done that for you. And we talked about that last week. You see, when a marriage takes place, there's an expectation of getting to know that person better. And when I did the thing over here at the school talking to the kids about marriage, uh, I had a kid say, well, because I kept telling them, I said, you can't possibly know everything about that person. Even if you date them correctly, if you court them and you're in their house, you're still not going to know every single thing about them. So a kid said, so does that mean we should live together before we get married? I said, no. We talked about that. But a marriage is a, a lifetime of discovery of one another. You know, when I, when I married April, when I blessed her with my marriage, <laughs> I was the ripe age of 19. Oh, I knew everything. It's wise beyond my years. How many of you were 19 or younger when you got married? Who got married under 19? Wow. Mom, put your hand down. I can't believe that. How old were you? 
Anybody younger than 18? Connie? <laughs> it did, didn't it? I, I tell teenagers, I tell them all the time, you can get married young, don't do that. But I did it and it worked out. So, And others have. The truth of the matter is this, is when I was 19, I was in love with April. Mm, I was in love with that woman. In all my wisdom and all my knowledge and all my understanding of love, she had all of it. I mean, she, I was infatuated with her. I thought, wow. I, I couldn't love anything or anyone anymore. This is, this is real love. Well, we've been married 18 years. What are you laughing at, Jeannie? <laughs> we've been married 18 years. And I look back now and I realize that as a 19-year-old kid, I didn't love her near as much as I thought I did. I look back now and I realize that at 19 years old, I had a very immature and very small understanding of what love is. But as we got married, and the two became one flesh, but beyond the honeymoon, you begin to discover a human being in, in ways that you never understood. You, know, you, you, you begin to finish each other's sentences. You know what I'm saying? For example, and many of you have been here before, if you're disciplining the children and you're sitting there having a talk, especially with teenagers, because teenagers need more talks than little kids, you have like two, three-hour talk, and then that's only to keep you from destroying them physically. <laughs> so you're sitting there talking to them, and one of you kind of hiccups or kind of belches or takes a breath, and the other one finishes the sentence. Have you ever done that before? That comes over a lifetime of discovery and understanding and knowing who one another is. Rather than the two becoming one flesh on a honeymoon... The two become one flesh over an entire lifetime of discovery and knowing and understanding who that individual is. Now you can probably already see where I'm going. In the Father of the Bride movie, that father was upset because his, his girl was leaving and cleaving to somebody else. Church, the enemy should be upset when you leave him and you cleave to our Lord and Savior. There should be a difference, amen? There should be a difference in, in not only who you are, how you act, how you carry yourself. We should become a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I realize that early in our relationship with Christ, we don't understand everything. You know, it's a little bit warm and fuzzy. You're probably at times more faithful than other times. There are times where you're like, you know, this was okay the other day, now today I don't know about this. But when Christ comes in to dwell with you and to dwell inside of us, He begins to have fellowship with us. Church, do we grasp how glorious and wonderful that this thing is? But the problem is a lot of times people say, well, I, I kind of like the salvation part, but that's good enough for me. I like salvation. Uh, he saved me. You know, Lord, you come into me. You save me from my sins. And I'm happy with that. And that's good enough for me. And uh, beyond that, you know, you can, you can come in to this box of my salvation. Beyond that, don't really expect a whole lot from me because I'm happy with, with salvation. I don't want to go to hell. So would you save me so that I can live with you for all eternity? But don't, don't really try to control my life or direct, because I just, that's not how it was intended to be. People like the honeymoon. I want that emotional experience of salvation, that first connection but then we, we just hold on to that and we never move beyond that level of intimacy to something more intimate with Christ. It's really important for us. 
If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Now if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit even more... Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory, now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? We've got to understand that the working of God the Father in our lives through the Holy Spirit has an intention of moving us from one place to another place. Now I just read something here to you that talked about the current moving of the Spirit of God in our lives to be something more glorious than all the stuff that happened with Moses in the Ten Commandments. Right now, I just struck a nerve in somebody. Because the the tendency is this. We say, okay, it's more glorious than Moses coming off of a mountain with his face glowing like the sun. It's more glorious than than the the cloud by day and the pillar by night leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. That's amazing. You see, I think in our Christian society, we really glorify those things and we exalt those things as wonderful. Wow, what it would have been like to be able to walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. That's powerful. What it would have been like to see Moses' face. I wonder what it would have been like to see the glory of God come down on top of a mountain and just sit there and stare at it and go, wow. Wow, to see that that people were fed in the wilderness, that their clothes and shoes never wore out. That's glorious, Pastor Bob. To think that the presence of God dwelled over the Ark of the Covenant between the cherubim. Boy, it wouldn't have been neat to just gaze in there and to see that that glowing, that, that, that mass of just movement of smoke and fire. Wouldn't that... That's our tendency is really to glorify that stuff. And then we don't think about what the Spirit of God is doing today. If you were to say, if I were to ask you and say, which is more glorious? All those things are the work and moving in the Spirit of God. The tendency of all of us probably would be saying, wow, that would have been really cool. But listen, those things didn't bring righteousness. Remember when Elijah was running from God, he was depressed and upset, and he went up on a mountain and was hidden in a cave and and was looking for God to move, and God said, I'm going to meet you there, basically, and fire comes by, and and wind, and the rocks are breaking and everything else, but, but God wasn't in the fire, He wasn't in the wind, and then all of a sudden, He heard a still, small voice. Listen, church, we can get caught up in looking for the external glory of God, but the truth of the matter is this, that a life is not going to be changed until we hear that still, small voice. The children of Israel followed them through the wilderness, followed the pillar, they followed Moses, they followed the laws, they did all the things they could through the wilderness, and then God had to strike them dead because they refused to obey. But Pastor Bob, they saw great signs and wonders. They did see great signs and wonders. Do you realize how glorious that the Spirit is within you? Because it brings righteousness. 
Something that all those other things that we carnally minded people want to put our eyes upon, want to gaze upon, want to be entertained by, want to see and want to be a part of. He says that God's moving today is more glorious. If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. He says, listen, what's inside of you is so much greater. There's no comparison. You can't look at God's manifest visible presence and say, wow, that's so much better than what's inside of me. The difference is what's inside of you was that. Now that which was external is now internal. That's so much more glorious because it accomplishes God's work. For some reason, I don't think we're getting this. You're all looking at me like I'm teaching heresy or something. Did we not just read it? The Spirit of God is bringing righteousness in our lives. It's more glorious than the law that brought death, the law that nobody could pass, the law that spoke death to people. Now, the Spirit of God within us says, speaks life. Speaks life. Chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, We are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect, all of us, we with unveiled faces, all of us, every single one of us, with the Spirit of God within us, much like Moses, all of us, we all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Church, we've got to understand that the Spirit is within us, as glorious as that marriage is, as that joining together with us, coming within us, as glorious as that is, that His purpose is, is to take us to exceeding glory. To move us forward in that relationship. Much like that relationship that I have with my wife, I should know her more and more and more and more all until the end of our days together. Should I not? The Spirit of God is not satisfied with you and I the way we were yesterday, two days ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, 20 or 30 years ago. That experience that you had at that altar, in that prayer time, that filling of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, all those things that He's doing in you and through you is always to build upon. Always to move you forward. Always to take you to new heights, to deeper depths. Always to take you to new places in Him. Not something kooky, not something weird, but to take you and to reveal Himself to you in such a way that it will change your life and you will reflect His glory more and more and more. He is within you. But it's not just that emotional gathering of the two flesh. It's not just that emotional gathering of His Spirit being joined together with ours. It goes further and deeper than that. It goes further and deeper than that. The Spirit of God works to open our eyes to His character. If you turn with me, you can turn to John 14. And then we're going to look at 1 John 2 real quick. But He works to open our eyes to His character. 
He says this to his disciples in John 14, verse 25. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And then 1 John chapter 2, verse 26 says, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teach you of all things, and is, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it had taught you, you shall abide in him. The Spirit of God dwelling within us, this glorious presence of God, just as it led the children of Israel through the wilderness externally, they followed it. Just as God met their needs, just as God provided, He now is within us, leading us, providing for us, teaching us, abiding in us. You can say all those things are glorious, and they are. There's glory to them. I won't say that God is not glorious. But Paul said this is more glorious. The fact that you and I can live our life and the Spirit of God ministers to us and He speaks to us and He teaches us as we open the Word. As we go throughout our life and the perfect thing and the best thing for us to do is to listen and to obey. And if we listen and obey, He is going to take us from glory to glory to glory. The Old Testament, the purpose of it, there was a revelation from beginning to end all the way through the Scriptures. We have the revelation of Jesus Christ. We see in Genesis where there's a promise for a Redeemer. We see all the way through uh, Exodus and Leviticus where it's talking about how the sacrifice should be done. All the stuff pointing to Christ, all the laws, all the things that point to who He is. All of this stuff, we have a picture all the way up to Christ. And then we see in the flesh who He is. He lives out before us, a greater and deeper revelation of who God is. But Jesus even said, He said, it's more beneficial for you that I go away. Because unless I go away, the, 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 the comforter is not going to come. From glory to glory. Church, we have a deeper revelation of who Christ is than Moses did. We have a deeper revelation of who Christ is than Elijah did. We had a deeper revelation of who, who, who Christ is beyond what Abraham did. Jesus even told his disciples, he said, people, long, people have longed. All the prophets, they have longed to see what you see today. It's probably not going to make anybody shout. But it's something we've got to come to grips with. Church, don't say just if only. If only we had. Listen, you have. You have. You have within you the Spirit of God. And what He does is, as He opens our eyes to His character, we begin to take on to that character. Just like in a marriage where you can finish each other's sentences. You know how somebody's going to react to a certain situation. Galatians 5. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. In other words, obeying this character that is within us. Let's walk and step with what he's saying. You have love. Take steps of love. You have joy. Take steps of joy. 
If you have peace, take steps of peace. These are the things that should be abounding more and more in our lives. This is the glory to glory to glory that we talk about. The fruit of the Spirit that is within us, the deeper revelation of Christ begins to come out of us so that when other people look at us, we don't hide ourselves in our culture. We don't veil what's inside of us. We live it out at work, bless God. We live it out at school. We don't hide the Spirit of God. Well, people might think I'm crazy. Who cares if people think you're crazy? The Spirit of God is in you to love. God is love, amen? If we have love, He loves. Because God, because God loves, He has joy. Because He loves, He has peace. Because He loves, He's patient. Patient, not willing that anybody should, should perish, but all come to knowledge of Christ. Listen, if you have the Spirit of God in you and the fruit should be abounding from more to more and more, your patience should be increasing. Your joy should be increasing. It should be evident. Well, everything's bad, Pastor Bob. Nothing's going to work out to my favor. Never does. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Might as well go eat worms. Please don't. Please, if you act like that, please don't tell people you come to our church. That's embarrassing. It's not the nature of God. Because he loves, he's gentle. Be gentle. Be gentle. You don't have to be mean and harsh with everybody. Understand that they're not everywhere they're supposed to be. Understand that the person sitting across from you at the table doesn't get it. Be gentle with them. Because he loves, he is good. For there is none good but God. Amen? Be honest. Be good. Don't lie on your taxes. Because He loves, He is faithful. Scripture says He'll never leave us or forsake us. If God's taken you from glory to glory to glory, your faithfulness should be very clear. Faithful to God, faithful to your spouse, faithful to your family, faithful to prayer, faithful to the Word. Because He loves us, He is meek. Now, gentlemen, that M, that's an M. Meek, not W, weak, okay? Meek. Guys don't like to be meek. We think that if you're meek and timid, that means you're a sissy. We kind of are. To world standards, but not to God's standard because God's meek. And last time I checked, He divided the Red Sea. That doesn't take a weakling to do it. Last time I checked, He ripped a curtain from top to bottom that was really big. That doesn't take a weakling to do it. Besides that, if you turn the M upside down, it's weak, W-E-E-K, and that just doesn't fit. That's like seven days. So... Gentlemen, don't be harsh. Ladies, don't be harsh. Be meek. It's a good thing. It's the Spirit of God. We should become more meek. Because He loves, He controls Himself for our benefit. Self-control. That's a big one. Save the best for last. Our self-control should be going from glory to glory to glory. The things that once controlled you, at some point through your relationship with Christ, shouldn't control you anymore. This character, this this person who he is, should begin to be evident in our lives. It's more than just the tearing of the curtain and coming into our lives, but it's a day-by-day revelation of who he is. There are places I will not go. There are things I will not say. There are things I will not do. 
because I love my wife. True or false? Why? Because I know it will grieve her. Because I know that it will wound her. And what wounds her will wound me, sometimes physically. (laughs) Occasionally, sometimes emotionally. But it will hurt either way. The Spirit of God is the same way. We are the bride of Christ, church. He comes in us, and His character should begin to come through us. Amen? He loves us enough to come and die on the cross for us. But there's more to it than even you and I. He wants to reveal to us through His Spirit His mission. His purpose. If you turn with me to Acts, book of Acts chapter 1. And as you're turning there, I I just want to share briefly that we've got to get in our minds to quit looking for something external. And when I say external, I mean like the pillar. There right now, there are a lot of people, there's a big movement right now in the so-called Christian realm where they come in and set up cameras in churches during Pentecostal services to take pictures to see if they can see Holy Spirit orbs floating around the room. Who cares? Holy Spirit orbs. Does anybody know what an orb is? Praise God, there's only teenagers. An orb. O-R-B. I don't know if there's an E or not. I don't care. But there's this orb. These new agers go out and they're trying to prove life after death, so they go into haunted houses. And they set up cameras and video cameras and they sit up all night long looking for orbs. Floating images of spirits. You know what it is? It's a dust molecule. All you have to do is put a camera up and and the dust in the air, when the light hits, it's going to look like a bubble. It's an orb. You're stupid. Stop it. Those kids in the room don't use that word, stupid. People will set up pictures, uh, cameras in Pentecostal services for the sole purpose to prove that the Holy Spirit's moving by looking for orbs. Unseen to the naked eye, but camera images catch them. Okay. There's a church in America that I saw in the national news. This made the national news. Hallelujah. The Weeping Cross. People are coming from all over the United States to come see and pray at the foot of the weeping cross. This guy says, well, I I was cleaning the church. I looked up and there's some kind of a wet, oily substance running down the cross. Who cares? Who cares? Why does God need to do that? If it was God, it's still less glorious than the Spirit of God that's within us. It can't save anybody. You can pour oil on a cross all you want to and bow to it and worship it. It ain't going to save anybody. That cross didn't tear open a curtain and run out and make dead people rise to life. The oil didn't. The Spirit of God did. He's within you. And He wants to take you from glory to glory to glory. Acts chapter 1. He wants to reveal to us and open our eyes to His mission. Verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts chapter 2, flip over, verse 1. 
We see the fulfillment of that prophet, promise. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one in accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there, there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They'd been told to go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait. Go there and wait. And at this point, the Spirit of God, as we said, had been waiting, ripped out of the the temple with such an explosion as He did, ripping the curtain open, and now there's another waiting. Jesus came to the disciples and said, Receive you now the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God came into them. That's a, a picture of salvation. The Spirit of God dwelling within them. And now he says, oh, but wait, I got more for you. Go and wait. Go and wait, church. Go and wait, and there's going to be more. And I can just see the Spirit of God hovering, saying, I'm waiting again. I'm waiting again. Lord, when you say the word, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, God spoke and he moved with a mighty rushing wind. Moved in tongues of fire on their heads, and they begin to speak with tongues. And I actually heard a guy recently say this. Mocking us, Pentecostals, mocking us. What I don't understand about those Pentecostals, why you would need anything other than the Holy Spirit. Last time I checked, I don't think we're trying to get anything other than the Holy Spirit. And then he says, well, he lives within, supposedly lives within you. Then why do you need more from it? Isn't he all sufficient? Isn't he this? Isn't he that? And my question to them is, is, then why did it happen? Then why did God give more? Then why did God do it? If these people were breathed upon and received the Spirit of God, and then he said, but wait, I got more for you. Why did he do it? You tell me, oh great theologian. Tell me. Why? And he was on the radio, so I couldn't. But I wanted to. You tell me, church, why? Why would God do that? Because it's from glory to glory. It's from glory to glory. Yeah, yeah, He moves in our lives. Yes, He saves us. Does He have to fill us with the Holy Spirit to be saved as far as speaking in tongues and manifesting? No, no, no. He doesn't. He comes into our lives. We're saved and the fruit of the Spirit is there. We can live a holy life. We can begin to seek Him. But church, He doesn't want us to stay where we're at. He wants us to go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory until ultimately someday the curtain of this world and our flesh is ripped back and He says, come up here and we're up there and we see Him with our eyes and then all those things that He's taken us from glory to glory to glory isn't even needed anymore because we're there in our flesh (laughs) glorified flesh it's from glory to glory he has a mission church he has more to do than us to be saved and go i'm saved now i feel good let's be saved thank you jesus for saving me it's not bad salvation is good and we all need to be saved but let me ask you this who who ministered to you Who spoke into your life? Who took time out of their day to pray with you? Who took time to open the Word of God and to teach you? My question to you is, is who are you doing it for? And by what power? The Spirit of God wants to move upon you in such a way to open the door up to the gifts. For John 14, verse 10 
We'll just for the sake of time look up there. Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He does, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he all do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you ask is in my name, that will I do, that he, that the, the King James, let me back up, 13, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus is telling them this, that scripture right there, we were going to talk about it last Wednesday a little bit. This terminology, so you're getting ahead. If you're coming Wednesday, you're going to hear a little bit of this. Verily, verily. You know what that is in the Greek? Amen, amen. It's finished. Amen. And it's not just repeated. It's put in there double to emphasize. Jesus said, amen. I'm going to tell you something. And I'm telling you amen before I even tell it because that means so be it, so shall it be. That means that takes on the name of me. I am a man. Even God is referred to as a man. This is so much the truth. It can be referred to as a man. Listen, that I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do, shall he do also in greater works. That's hard for us to grasp, church. Well, what Jesus was telling his disciples, oh, I need to hurry. He said, listen, those blinded eyes that I opened, you're going to do that. That lame man that was laying by the pool of Bethsaida, you know, that was dependent upon water to heal him, and I just walked up and spoke the word and said, get up, you're healed, and he was healed. you remember that? You're going you're to do that. <laughs> you remember all the, the demonic that would come to me, and they would come in, and they would start freaking out and yelling? Remember the one that was in chains, and, he, and we, they, couldn't even, he, they couldn't bind him anywhere? You remember that one, guys? Remember he'd come up, and all I did was speak the word, and a legion of them had to go. You remember that? You're going to do that. <laughs> do you remember the time, disciples, that there was that woman by the well and, and she came up there and I, I was talking to her and, and, I, and I told her things that she didn't think anybody else knew and I, I spoke to her with a word of knowledge. you remember that? You're going to do that. Remember when I discerned and I was in a group of people and the Pharisees had their attitudes and were thinking nasty thoughts about me and everybody around them and I told them that I knew what they were thinking, mess with their heads, speak truth to them. You remember that? You're going to do that. By what power are they going to do it? They did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know, I don't know and understand why God didn't just say, boom, here it all is at once. But for some reason, He gives you salvation and then He gives you the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people have them together. Sometimes they're years and years apart. Sometimes they're a day apart. Sometimes, I don't know. But I can tell you this, it's because He has a mission. It's not about just you and me being saved and getting to go to heaven. He's not willing that any should perish. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, verse 4, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It's there to profit everybody. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of the miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of the spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one in the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. 
God is going to give this to you. Why? Because He has a mission. And if you haven't learned that yet, if you don't understand that, He wants to take you from glory to glory to glory this morning. and He wants to make you the most effective witness for Him that you possibly can be. That's the desire of God. When we can catch a glimpse of His mission and His purpose, it's unbelievable what He can do. Unbelievable. God is good. And the gifts are important. I didn't share this in the first service. Those of you that were here Wednesday, I, I'll just share it with you now. But Well, I'll just share what I shared in the first service. We, we can be led by the Spirit, amen? Amen? It was a Christmas a couple of years ago. I don't think some of you agree with me. We can be led by the Spirit, amen? Seven of us, that's good. Seven's a whole number, that means everybody. Scriptural whole number. Any teachers in the room, don't get mad at me about that. We were a couple two years ago, Christmas, and we like to try to teach our kids to give. And, and we said, rather than just spending tons of money on you, which we want to, we're going we're gonna to set aside I mean, a good amount of cash. We're going to get some Christmas cards, and we're going to take these, and, and we're going to give this money away in a card with a message about the love of Christ to random people as the Spirit would lead us. And uh, we prayed together in family. We put money in, and we signed the cards, you know, didn't put our names in it. And we, we were given some out. And, and the most memorable one was we, we were in uh, Walmart, and it was Lissa's card, okay? She was, this was her card. You know, she would have been the ripe age of nine. This is my card. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this one out. So where do you want to go? Let's go to Walmart. So we, before we get out of the car, we pray. We said, God, by your spirit, lead us to the person that needs to hear your message of love and that needs a blessing. We get out and we go into Walmart and uh, we go in there and stand and it's Walmart. We just look around. It's near Christmas time. I mean, it's like a week before Christmas, wasn't it? Something like that. We look around and there's people everywhere. It's like, whoa. Lord, who do you want us to give it to? And she says, Dad. And she pulled on my arm. She said, right there, that, that one. So the greeter lady? She's like, yeah, you know one of the Walmart greeters? You know, welcome to Walmart. Give you a cart. And then I said, that's fine, baby doll. I said, that's what you want to do. She said, that's, that's what I'm doing. I said, okay. I said, wait here. Wait. Mom and I and your brother will go out the door. You hand it to that woman and you don't say anything other than Merry Christmas. And you come out to meet us. And she said, okay. So we were walking out the door, and as we went past the door, somebody came into that lady that she knew, and they said, hey, how are you doing? She said, I'm doing good. And she goes, well, I didn't know you worked at Walmart. She said, well, I just got a temp job through the holidays because I need the money. And I went by and go, <laughs> And I turned around, and just about... 20 to 25, 30 seconds after that lady, those words came out of her mouth. Alyssa walks up and goes, Merry Christmas. In a card that shares the love of Christ. And she walks off and the lady just kind of looked, Alyssa looked at the card and went back to her conversation with the lady she was talking to. And we went out and high-fived each other. Listen, that's simple. That's small. That's little. But we trusted God that that ministered to that lady. Because God loved her enough 
to allow an indiv- group of individuals to stop and say, lead us by your spirit to who needs this. You say, that's really, that's really material, Pastor Bob. It's the leading of the Holy Spirit. I shared Wednesday about a service that we were out. If you have to leave at noon, leave. I don't care. It's, it's seven till. I got time. Eight till. We were at a youth service at camp, and I shared this Wednesday. That if the gifts of the Spirit are used effectively and with love and in the right way, it can be effective and change lives. And I was praying, and me and my friend Pablo was following me around, and it was Holy Spirit night, and kids were getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I was going around hitting back the head, getting the gum out, and handing it to Pablo, and he's putting gum in the thing, in his little... And I was praying with kids, and, and kids were getting filled with the Spirit. I come around to this kid who's standing there like this. And there was a, a lady up there, obviously from his church, and a group of kids probably from his church, and they all got their arms against him, and they're leaning on him and just praying as intense as they possibly could, and this kid's standing there going. And I just stopped. I said, Lord, what's up with this kid? Your spirit's moving in here. You know, God, you're moving, and lives are being changed. What's up, what's up with this kid? Why is he up here? And God said, because of his mom. I said, okay. So I walked over to the lady that I thought was his leader, and she was, and I, I stopped her. I think it offended her a little bit. I said, hey, I said, what's up with his mom? She's kind of looked at me, and she said, she's a Jehovah's Witness. Why? And God spoke to me as soon as she said that, and that came out of her mouth. He said, Bob, he stood outside those doors and challenged me tonight and said, if this is real, you're going to have to show me because I don't believe it. I said, okay, hey, stop. Borderline made him mad, stopped him from praying ineffectively because this kid's standing here like this. And they're all just praying away. And the prayers got to me so that I could come over and I could look at this kid and give him a word of knowledge and say, young man, you stood outside the doors of this sanctuary earlier tonight before you walked in and you said, God, you're not buying it, you don't believe it. And you said, if this is real, you're going to have to show me because I just don't buy it. And his eyes got big. It's the first change of expression he'd had since he'd been at the altar. I said, did you not say that? I said, I don't know. You tell me. Did you say it? Yes, I did. I said, give me your gum. <laughs> he said, why? I said, because God's going to show you. Give me your gum. You got gum, right? He said, yeah. And he just kind of went. <laughs> fell in my hand. I reached back and Pablo wasn't there. True story. I threw it in my mouth. And I, I'm not recommending you do that. I just was under the anointing. I threw it in my mouth and I, I put my hand on that kid's head. And as soon as my hand touched his head, I didn't push him. I didn't shove him. I didn't put a shoulder into him. I didn't drop kick him. I touched him. Touched his head. And the boy was out under the power of God that quick. And the kids behind him were holding him and still praying, Oh, God, pray him. And he's doing one of these numbers. And they're holding him up. I said, let, let, let go. So I put him down on the ground, and I laid there, and I held his head, and I just prayed to him, prayed with him, and I said, It's real, son. And I got up and I left him. I said, Let him be. Let him be. Didn't talk to the kid. The lady got up the next morning and told my wife what I did. I got in trouble. We were at breakfast. She said, you know when your husband threw somebody's gum in their mouth? It's like I spit it out as soon as I was done praying with the kid. 
She told me, she said, he got saved. The next night, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And he went home to his Jehovah's Witness mom's house knowing that this is real. Church, it's real. And it's necessary to be led by the Spirit. Amen? So my question to you this morning is this. The exact same question that Paul asked to some individuals. He said this, Acts 19, verse 2, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Under what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. And they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Have you been baptized with the Holy Ghost since you believed? From glory to glory. Will you stand with me this morning?